This is episode 91 of the EdTech Takeout from Grant Wood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm joined, as always, by Minty Carney. Hello. Hello, Minty Carney. Hi. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Ready to get started on another episode. It's a good one. I think it will be a good one. Yes, it's uh, something a little bit different for us. Yes. But you know us, we're always willing to branch out and try some new things. Right. Yep. And so um, it's kind of got an Earth Day feel to it, right? I mean, every day is Earth Day. Every day is Earth Day. Everybody calm mm. down. Every day is Earth Day. But this one has a little bit of an Earth Day theme to it. Oh, well, and as our guest will tell us shortly, it was yeah. Earth Month. Earth Month. So. That's right. Yes, Yes. Uh, but April 22nd is Earth Day, so we have a guest on very soon Mm -hmm. that's going to help us uh, look for some ways that we can take advantage of that, even in virtual scenarios. Yeah, so before that, let's get to some news and follow-up. All right, so follow-up to start with, I think... Uh, We talked about this on episode 84 with Corey. One of her tech nuggets was Miro, which is an online whiteboard type of deal that was kind of like Jamboard on steroids, I think we called it at one point. And uh, they have now got Miro education accounts. So that is interesting because it was a paid service after a certain number of whiteboards before, but uh, they now have free accounts for students and educators. So if you're interested in that, I will put a link to that in the show notes. It's got more options than Jamboard. So if you, if you find Jamboard a little bit limiting, then you know, you, you've got some extra things you can work with on here with Miro if you want to go take a look at it. But educators get unlimited boards. It's free forever. You get up to 100 users. You get guest editors. It integrates with Google Drive, Slack, Dropbox, and some other stuff on there too. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, a little bit more follow-up then. I talked about Todoist having an EDU discount, I think, on one of the previous episodes. And I just wanted to follow up and say that Todoist no longer have an EDU oh. discount because <laughs> shortly after that podcast went out, I got an email from them saying, yeah, we're discontinuing the EDU discount. So you can have it for the rest of your current year. But um, if you want to in the future, you're going to have to pay full price. No kidding. Well, they're like, oh, that Jonathan Whiteley shared that, and now, nope, we're not. We did. We changed our minds. <laughs> I think they realized it just wasn't going to be worth their money after the hordes of people came to <laughs> sign up for it and bankrupt them. So, uh, if you're looking for an alternative, uh, Tick Tick is Tick-tick. an interesting one too that okay. also has an EDU discount. So, I'll put a link to Tick Tick in there too. Got it. Okay. Um, I have one to add in here. Okay. So um, this morning I saw, and we've talked about whiteboard chat before, haven't we? Whiteboard dot chat. Yeah, we have. Right, yeah. yeah. So I saw that today um, they added, or maybe it was like last yesterday, um, they added handwriting recognition in 50 different languages. That kind of stuff always blows my mind a little bit. So you choose your language from the screen and then you just start writing and it recognizes handwriting. I can't quite ever wrap my brain around that type of technology. I know. That is just, must be some kind of crazy artificial intelligence yeah. thing going on there. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's nuts. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it fits in nicely. We were talking about Miro being a whiteboard tool. Yeah, and here we right. have another whiteboard tool here. So 
Yeah, that one works out. This was one of uh, Gina Rogers' favorites, yeah. I believe. Whiteboard.chat. I think that's where I found out about yeah, it. Yeah, right. So handwriting recognition in up to 50 different languages. Yeah. So it converts your handwriting to text. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yep, yep. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. That'd be awesome for like modern foreign languages yeah. and things like that for yeah. sure. And yeah, and I feel like they always kind of, I mean, they do have the coolest tools probably, the foreign language world because of this kind of stuff you know and the translating tools i always think are really super amazing and but so just another one to add to your toolbox hey we should do an episode with uh, like a modern foreign language specialist that'd be a great idea we should do that seeing as they have the coolest tools mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> all right um i'm, I'm going to share a, a quick this could have been a nugget i guess but yeah. i'm not going to share it as a nugget because okay. i know in the past we've talked about things like Slides Mania and uh, all the other different um, yeah. websites that'll give you slide templates. Well, yeah. the people from Slides Mania, or the lady from Slides Mania, yeah. I should say, yeah. has come out with a new website called Icons Mania. Get out, seriously. Which is free, editable icons, illustrations, and clip art images for everybody. Oh, look at that. Hmm. For free, did you say? For free, yeah. So it just started out, um, a fairly limited collection right sure, now, yeah. but growing all the time. I yeah. think maybe she just felt like, you know, creating all those slide decks didn't take up enough of her time. So she needed to fill up more of her time. And she's got all of these new icon packs for like sports and vegetables and, you know, all yeah. kinds of different things here. And they're all, yeah. like I said, editable. They come in different colors. Some are, you know... Uh, grayscale some are just uh colored so depending on uh which ones you want there's a growing collection here that you can go to icons mania and uh you can have them in different ways so if you're a a microsoft user she'll give you like a powerpoint with all of them on there Mm -hmm. if you're a google user she'll give you like a google slide deck with all the icons on there and if you just want the icons themselves you can download them as pngs oh nice Icons Mania from the people that brought you Slides Mania. Yeah, you got to love it when people put stuff like that out for free just for anyone to use, you know, because that's like stuff that takes time. That's not like... Absolutely. Um, and money. Yeah. You know, you got to host yeah, all that right. stuff and yeah. build the website and yeah, pay for right. all that. So, yeah. What else you got? We talked about <laughs> virtual conferences in the past oh, recently. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yes. I got a little yeah. <laughs> note from the people at WeVideo oh. that they are having a virtual conference this summer. Oh. Mm-hmm. It is the... We Video Creator Community Summit 2021. Mm. It is a virtual summit event, and they have Ken Shelton as one of their keynote speakers. Really? Do they yeah, normally so, have a summer summit or something, or is this just kind of a new? I mean, I do you think know? This is something they have done before. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's always been virtual or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But. Um, I thought it was worthy of mentioning. So keynote yeah. speakers are Ken Shelton. They have Rosa Perez Isaiah, who is the Educational Director of Elementary Education, Equity and Access. Mm. They've also got Ray Hughart, who is CMO of the Teach Better team. So they have three huh. keynotes and you can sign up to attend for free. It is July 20th to the 22nd. I feel like that's a great tool. I mean... I know that you've looked into WeVideo, and I have too, but it's been a long time. So I just feel like there's not as many resources that are built for people in WeVideo. You know, we tend to do lots mm-hmm. of different 
you know, how to's and tutorials and things like that. And we video is not always one of them. So it'd be a good spot to go if you're needing to learn how to use it a little bit better. Yeah, and I had a quick conversation with uh, John Klein on Twitter about it, and he said it's not just going to be wee video sessions. Oh, I it's see. Kind okay. Of emphasis is on creativity and things like that. So, you know, they're yeah. still looking for presentations if anybody wants to nice. submit. Um, and he said it does not have to be a wee video. So, hmm. well, alrighty then. A couple more quick uh, updates. This one is one of those ones um, I saw by accident. You know how sometimes you open up a Google Doc and then there's like yeah. a little banner that pops up on the yeah. screen and you're like, oh, I haven't seen that before. So <gasps> What's this? inside What's of this Google little? Docs yeah. now, you can select some text. Mm-hmm. And if you right click on it, you can choose one of the new options that's called show editors. And it will show you who last edited that piece of text. So I know you. Oh, we have is. revision yeah. history that yeah. will go into the whole document and show you all the edits, but yeah. maybe you're just going through a document and it's maybe some group work with some kids and you're just wondering, hey, I wonder who did this paragraph here or who wrote mm-hmm. this or who used these amazing vocabulary words. Yeah. You can highlight that part, right-click on it, and huh. hit show editors, and it will tell you who wrote that last part, who wrote that text last, I Interesting. guess. Interesting. Um, I have noticed this little, you know, in the um, – Google drop down menus like this, yeah, little blue button next to things that are like, oh, this is new. And I'm like, oh, I think it's kind of nice in that drop down menu to be able to see like, oh, there's something new in here. Cause I often, when I get that little blue prompt, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not interested in you right now. Go away, sir. Good day, sir. How many times have you seen things in the menu and thought, has that always been there or is that new? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> but the actual little I... new button that's next yeah. to it that lets you know, oh, yeah, that is new. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's right. So yeah, there's another one in there right now that I have not looked at before. And but maybe we've talked about it and I just don't remember is the compare documents. Have you seen that? The compare documents. Yeah, it's under uh. tools. So if you go into our doc right now and go under yeah. tools and compare docs, and I've seen that before, I just haven't clicked on it yet. So I don't know if it compares different versions of it. Is that right? Or that I don't know. I, I've either. seen that, but I've never used it. Let's yeah. put it that way. So, Maybe I'll report um, back. I'll give that a shot and see what right, in the world so that That's means. under the tools menu, compare documents. Okay. I'm sure there's a good use for that I'm somewhere. I'm sure there is. Well, speaking of uh, highlighting text, okay. uh, there's a new feature coming to Chrome version yep. 90 okay. that will let you share links to highlighted text on a web page. So if you are on a website somewhere and you just click to drag and select some text, you can right-click on it and select copy link to highlight. And it will send somebody a URL that will take them straight to that highlighted part on the website. So you don't have to scroll through. You can like highlight a paragraph and say, see, this is exactly what we need. And you can highlight it and send it to somebody and it will show them uh, highlighted text on there. How, tell me how you do that again. Okay, I have highlighted text on a website. Now what? Well, it's still rolling out, and oh, I, I don't know if everybody's going to have it yet or not, but it's okay. Chrome version 90. Yeah. You highlight the text, and then you right-click on that highlight. Okay. And in the right-click menu, there's something that says copy link to highlight. All right. So, I don't have Chrome version 90 yet. I have 89.0.43891.28. <laughs> Right. Okay. Then maybe there's an upgrade in there somewhere for you. That's super interesting, huh? 
Well, the article I read on Engadget said the feature uh, rollout isn't done yet, and there uh, some people aren't seeing it even after upgrading to Chrome ninety. Yeah. But um, it also works on Android, and it's coming to iOS too. So. Oh. Uh, the Chrome apps on Android yeah. and iOS. So that's kind of interesting that if you're interesting. students and, I don't know, you're, yeah. you're, you have colleagues you're working with. Maybe mm-hmm. you're looking at some educational research and yeah. you found a specific part you think is going to be great for highlighting. You right. can just highlight that paragraph and copy highlight and it'll take people straight to that part on a, on a long document or something like that from the web. That one you should have saved for our Tech Nugget too. Between that one and what was the other one? The Icons Mania? Tech nuggets, you know, man. You're man. Well, I, I've got Jeez. so many nuggets that oh, I'm just throwing boy. them out all here over the place here. So, um, And I, I guess it's an update. You know, and use yeah. an update. This is I what guess. we do. So, yeah. It's fine. Okay. Next one. Could also be an amazing tech nugget. And it's our last one, I think, yeah. before we go and talk to yeah. our guest here. Okay. Uh, Google Earth time-lapse feature winds the clock back 37 years to highlight environmental changes on our planet. So this is a new feature inside of Google Earth on the web version. If you go to the search menu, there's a new um, option there called um, Our Planet is Changing. And that opens a little time-lapse section on the side here where you can see. I want to click on this, though. Is it going to ruin my day? I don't think so. Oh, no, you don't think but, so? I mean, it, it's one of those things that I think people should be aware of probably, right. especially as we're in Earth Month. Yeah, right. So they have changing forests and, you know, glaciers that are changing as well. Over 37 right. years of satellite imagery. Huh, and cool. as you click on one, you'll see like the time will just tick by automatically year to year across it. They also have some featured locations like, uh, you know, they've got some agricultural things, deforestation, mega cities, like, you know, how cities have changed. I, I saw yeah, like a, right. a city skyline picture of like Tokyo the other day and I'm like, yeah. that is insane. That is like huh. a metropolis. Yeah. Um, so different ways, mining, natural disasters, urban growth, waterways. Really good conversations for kids, for sure. All of which takes us nicely on to our guest for today. All right, let's move it along. All right, so up next, serve to you piping hot. Our main course is Carissa Cabrera, who is a guest on the show today. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. You bet. So um, Jonathan always does, and we always laugh about this, this joke about his first question is, who is Carissa Cabrera? So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing, what your project is right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, I guess who's Chris Cabrera? So I would say that I'm a marine conservationist. Uh, I used to be a marine biologist. Now I'm more focused in conservation and an educator as well. So I try to use many different platforms, many different forms of media, um, lesson plans to try to connect people of all ages to the ocean and teach them a little bit more about it. Um, I'm originally from a landlocked state. And so I just know how important films and uh, enriching activities and even audio and audiobooks and podcasts were um, with getting to know the ocean and falling in love with it. So I hope that I can do that for someone else. So there has to be a story there. You come from a landlocked state and now you live in Hawaii surrounded by water and the ocean is your is your passion. How did you how did you get started with all that? How did I get here? Yeah, I guess that's a great question. So it's 
pretty interesting. You do meet quite a few marine biologists that come from landlocked states. So my specific story is, um, I guess I grew up kind of snorkeling. Arizona is very close to Mexico. So I grew up being able to go to Mexico with my family and spending time in the ocean. But I didn't really fall in, in love with it until I watched this incredible documentary film when I was in high school. It was called The Cove. Um, have you have either of you seen it? It's, so. it's a little intense. So I'm just going to give a little warning. But um, I was about 16 at the time. And I remember watching it. And it introduces a lot of like conservation issues, um, specifically around dolphins. And I just felt like I had to do something after that. And I guess I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> So do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what it what this project? Um, so we, we've heard that you've got a project going on with National Geographic and Earth Day is right around the corner. So we're like, this is the perfect fit. Can you tell us a little bit about this project that um, you are partnering with National Geographic with? Yes, absolutely. Happy Earth Month, everyone. I love Earth Month. We, we get so much uh, so much attention around the big issues. But um, National Geographic put out a funding opportunity, I believe, in late fall of 2020 to try to get some curriculum and education support for virtual learning for teachers um, due to COVID-19. So I can only imagine how tough it's been on so many teachers to have to completely transition in such a short period of time to um, 100% virtual learning. So I had already had some history making education projects. I've been doing it for about 10 years, um, informal and formal education. And so I wrote a project with my partner and um, it was all video lessons and we ended up calling it Ocean Connections. And uh, Ocean Connections is a five-day virtual curriculum that is tailored for middle school students, but it can be adjusted based on the teacher's needs to like fifth or sixth or maybe even early high school. And um, it focuses on climate literacy and ocean literacy and giving these students tools on what to do as we approach some of these um, really hard hitting challenges that we're going to be facing for the next few decades. When you were coming up with this, was the was the fuel behind it COVID-19 itself? Or were you imagining doing something like this in the, you know, in the past? How how did this big idea come into play? That's a great question. So I had been giving presentations in schools for many years before, and I focused a lot on some of these topics like coral reefs or, you know, the climate crisis. And I would give it to a group of um, 30 middle schoolers. And this project was like my first opportunity to be able to propose something that could actually reach hundreds or thousands of people because it's a, a recorded video lesson. And I noticed I had some friends who were middle school teachers and they were they were already incorporate, incorporating videos into their lessons on a daily basis anyway. And so this project kind of seemed like teachers could use it if they're doing their entire class on Zoom. They could also do it if they're um, in a hybrid learning environment. And when students come back into classrooms, um, they would be able to, you know, show it in class and participate as a group. So I thought it was, I thought making video lessons would be so great because it could be applied to many different classrooms in many different learning environments. Could you talk us through maybe uh, some of the the units in Ocean Connections and the, the type of learnings that you, you put together for this project? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned it was five days. So each day of maybe a week, uh, each st or the students will be introduced to a different concept. So my favorite concept is uh, day two. It's called Saving Our Wildlife. And it's focused on 
endangered species and mass extinction and some incredible stories and species highlights. So they get to watch a short video. All of the videos are ended up being less than 15 minutes because we know that students' attention spans are really just getting shorter. And for, for saving our wildlife, they get to not just learn about the extinction crisis, which can be kind of heavy to hear, but they get to hear about these really su successful comeback stories. So we highlight like the California condor, which went down to less than 10 individuals in the wild and is now making a complete comeback right now. And we also allow students to adopt their own endangered species as their activity. And so they get to learn all about something they're really interested in. And then they get to research an organization that's working to help that endangered species. So we got to feature some organizations here in Hawaii that I used to volunteer for when I was still a student. And um, they're helping marine mammals. So we get to walk through students through not just the problems, but the solutions. And then they get to know the people who are who are on the ground helping with these issues. So I hope it inspires students to know that they can they can be one of those people one day. So you bring up an interesting point because Jonathan and I kind of talked about this beforehand is that it's, and it's interesting to hear your story about how when you were 16, you watched this movie and it inspired you to become this, you know, problem solver and actually going after something that you really believed in. So, you know, we often talk to our students about, you know, really going after that passion for something. What advice would you give to students who might feel really passionate about a project and um, how, how would they maybe go about getting their message out kind of like you did? And maybe even some of the challenges that you came across in that situation. Yeah, that's, that's such a great question because it's something that I had when I was younger, I was asking that question and I had wished someone had told me. So I think that mm -hmm. some of the best advice that I could give is that you're never too young to start getting involved in the things that you care about. In fact, the earlier, the better. Um, I, I wasn't lucky enough to start volunteering um, in high school, but I started in college and it was incredible. And so these, if you have, if you have something you're passionate about, like know that you can follow that and you can follow it as early as you want and as deeply as you want. And that will give you clarity on what you ultimately want to do. So don't ignore those things that really like excite you and, and make you feel like just stoked to be alive because um, those are the things that I end up now doing for work. Yeah, that's great. Stoked to be alive. That needs to be like a t-shirt. <laughs> you should, you should um, put that. Make some merch. Sell it for fundraisers yeah. for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I definitely agree because I know this has been such a hard, such a hard year for so many people in so many ways. And there's also this opportunity, right? So now there's this opportunity where I don't have to give a presentation to 30 kids. Now hundreds of kids can hear it. So mm -hmm. um, try to trying to find the silver lining is can be difficult at times, but uh, can, you know, make you a little more stoked to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Could you could you talk to us at all about the any of your process that you had when you were putting this together? What what was going through your mind given that you know you're designing a virtual curriculum, which is different, I guess, from a, a regular type of uh, mm -hmm. project that people might be putting together? What were I don't know challenges or goals that you had in your mind when you were building this program? Yeah, so I reflected a lot on this year. I I taught um, at a homeschool academy here on the North shore of Oahu for a year. And it was um, a small group of kids, less than 20. And it was sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. And I got so much insight that year on how these 
students' brains work. I mm-hmm. was there to inspire them and get them to care about this stuff. And they were just on their phones. And mm-hmm. I noticed how short their attention spans were and what really worked with communicating with them. And so when me and my colleague, Alex, were in the storyboarding and the design phase of these videos, we had a lot of long discussions about how it really needs to be catchy and short and um, to the point with lots of moving visuals and lots of text on screen. And so even kind of watching it as someone who's um, like much older than these middle schoolers, it's almost overstimulating for me, but for them, our goal was to keep their attention the entire lesson. And so it's something I, I had never done before, but that we're hoping will be really successful at getting the message to these kids because um, that fast paced videos are kind of what they watch all day anyway. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, I had to um, really accept that. And then we needed to strategize our lessons around these things because it's hard to talk to kids about molecules in the atmosphere that are trapping heat so we had to find a way to make it fun and that was probably the the most challenging and the most rewarding part of the project and you don't have to live on a post to know that your actions are inextricably linked to the impacts that they have on the ocean and the ocean keeps everyone alive regardless of whether you live on a coast Um, over half of the oxygen we breathe is created in the ocean every single day so these lessons are the ones that i want the kids to remember and go home and share with their friends and family and it's true. The kids in Hawaii, they, they grew up on the ocean. They were, they were water babies. But so they might see some of these issues, like maybe erosion or sea level rise, but they're not equipped with the tools to solve these problems. And I wanted kids to feel like they could leave at the end of this lesson plan and be like, I know how to, for example, they get to write a letter. So they could write a letter to a representative, to their principal or to a company. And they get to raise their voice for something they care about, that they want something to change. Or one lesson, I think day one, they get to design a social media post because social media is such a huge component of their life. And it's also how messages get amplified nowadays. So these are tools that I hope that they're forever going to have in their toolkit when it comes to climate action. So can you tell us a little bit, I mean, National Geographic is a pretty big name, right? And that's a big deal to be associated with them. What, how did, how did that all come about or, and what, what's it like to work with National Geographic? How did, how did that all come, come to pass? I, I worked with grants a lot with previous organizations, animal uh, conservation organizations, but this is the big, the fact that this is the first grant I got, even though it was a small grant was so humbling and so amazing because National Geographic inspired me when I was a kid with all, with everything that they've created. So I guess how it came came about, it was posted and it was an emergency fund. The, the grant was an emergency fund for educators. So that meant there was really quick turnaround time. And they had said it preference were going to first time applicants, which is a huge thing in the grant world because, um, they were trying to bring new people into the conversation. And so it was actually sent to me by a colleague um, for an organization that I used to work for. And they decided it wasn't, a, um, we didn't have the bandwidth at the time. And so I thought, well, I, I could probably pull a project together. I love education. I've been doing it forever. And we assumed we didn't get it because they were on a delayed timeline. And then we got the news in February. So um, 
they ended up funding a lot of amazing, incredible projects. And I'm in a Facebook group now with all of the grantees and um, the things people are doing all around the world are, are really for the better. And uh, it wouldn't be possible without National Geographic funding. What's the feedback been like from uh, teachers you've worked with so far on this one? So Ocean Connections was just distributed on April 1st. And so oh, okay. the goal, yeah, the goal was we, um, we really wanted to get it out so that maybe they could use it at the end of the school year, like as a fun little wrap up activity. Um, and we also really wanted to get into schools before um, maybe people came back or students came back for completely in-person learning in the fall. And so we haven't gotten any initial, we haven't gotten any initial feedback yet from teachers, but we're hoping to follow up in May when they have a chance to use it. But right now we have it in over 20 schools across um, Hawaii, Colorado, and California. So if any, it's completely free because of the funding from National Geographic. So if anybody needs it or thinks that they would benefit it or knows an educator that might want parts of the lesson, we are happy to share it. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how, because we have lots of listeners. So how would people get a ho- their hands on um, this curriculum? Yeah. So um, the company that I run and that created Ocean Connections is called the Conservationist Collective. And so you can get in touch with us through our website and you can also email me directly. Uh, my, my email is carissacabrera1 at gmail.com is what I'm uh, communicating with teachers through. And because National Geographic is has funded this and therefore this curriculum is now able to be free and accessible, all we ask is that participating teachers um, fill out a, like a follow-up questionnaire to help us get some feedback so we can improve it and also so that we have an idea of how many students this has reached. So uh, if anybody wants to get in touch, you can reach out to us through our website, which is theconservationistcollective.com. Awesome. So it sounds like you had a, a lot of fun making this project. Has it inspired you to, uh, to make some other things? Have you got other things on the back burner that you're wanting to bring to life? Yeah, I have. So many things on the back burner, as I'm sure all, as I'm sure all of us do. I mean, there's so many um, avenues that this could go down, right? I mean, I love making curriculum. And if there's another grant similar, if there's a grant opportunity that's similar to something I was able to create through Ocean Connections, I will absolutely apply. But um, I'm working on right now a short film for Earth Day that's going to be distributed. I'm working on a photography installation in... Kailua, Hawaii, which is the town that I live in um, for Earth Day. That's going to be showing at the end of the month. Those are some some local things. And then and as far as curriculum and lesson plans, I'm trying to create, I, I work a lot in the sustainability space as well. And so I'm trying to create little like downloadable eBooks for people who want to be more sustainable in their life. And so there's so many different opportunities and I'm trying to just be flexible and take what's uh, what opportunities are provided. Is there anything that we missed, Krissa, that you'd like to talk about or? Yeah, one more thing I wanted to add was that even though Ocean Connections uh, is advertised as a video lesson, there's a discussion and an activity with every single lesson. And so the your class period isn't being dominated by just video. And um, there's a lot of engagement in small groups or as a class or on an, or as an individual that can be, you know, harnessed for your students. So one of the things that I believe in is solution-based activities, um, an inquiry-based process, and really interactive social learning. And we tried to incorporate that a lot into Ocean Connections because I think it's something that 
maybe students missed out on in 2020. And we really want to make sure that uh, they have the opportunity to not just learn about climate action, but learn with others how to solve it and work together, because that is a huge component to um, problem solving in adulthood. And so there's there's some flexibility in there. I think um, I saw in your in your materials that um, you know not only could it be face to face or virtual when it was um, applied, but you know teachers are free to adapt it a little bit for the grade levels that they teach. Is that right? Yes, we um, we included a very detailed instruction guide for educators that want to lead it exactly how we intended it, and within that. Um, instruction guide, it has all of the ways that you can adapt it if you'd like as well. And so that way, if teachers are short on time, and they don't necessarily have the five days, or they just want to focus on, you know, that day two saving our wildlife, they can. And so these lessons can be presented in isolation or together. And we've also included some supplemental materials of like, suggested documentaries to watch as a class or assign as extra credit, and some one-page reads if students are really interested in some of the organizations that we collaborated with. And um, there's a lot of good materials in there that we hope are beneficial. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming to join us, Krista. We wish you the best of luck and um, can't wait to see hopefully some of our classrooms using this and um, maybe seeing some more curriculum from you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be able to talk about Ocean Connections. It's a project I'm really passionate about and that I hope will help a lot of students. So uh, don't hesitate to get in touch if anyone is interested who's listening. All right. Up next, my favorite part of the show is Tick Nuggets. Who's going to go first? Me? Sure. Okay. All right. So um, my first one is actually from Julie King. Uh, this month, the Building Bridges has been happening. So Grant Wood always puts on this um, huge conference called Building Bridges. And this year, it is, of course, virtual. So we've been helping moderate some of those sessions. And well, I guess two weeks ago now, I sat through um, a session with Julie King, who um, works here with us at Grantwood AEA, and she shared this tool called Window Swap. So, Window Swap is um, a website. You do now have to have a, um, you have to create an account, but you just click on this button that says open a new window in the world, and it will take you to, like, this one takes me to Brazil. And so, it's just a um, camera out someone's window. So this one's Brazil. I might look at it and be like, nah, I don't know, I would try a different one. So I click on another open window. And I am now in Australia. Can I tell you where my window went? Yes. The odds of this happening, I have no idea. It took me to Glasgow, Scotland. Are you serious? I am serious. I can take a screenshot of it right now and show you. But yeah, Glasgow, Scotland. I'm looking oh, out the window at Glasgow Cathedral. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. And so it's not like, it's like yeah. a live shot. Is it a live yes, shot? Some kind yes. of webcam or something? Yes, it is. Yeah, because yes. the clouds are moving. Yes. So I have been in it before and like someone like took the camera and like put it out the window and like kind of moved it around and then set it back down and off they went. You can like hear people's background conversations sometimes and 
I think it's super interesting. So the context for this was that Julie was talking about how for students, it can be a nice way to, if they know that they need some sort of calming down measure, that this could be a place that kids could just go sit for two minutes and take in visually, you know, a different environment. So just taking that time to kind of take a break or a timeout, um, and I'm, adults probably need that too. Um, I think it's just like super interesting. Some of them are like kind of funny. Like um, I've seen ones where they're just like not the best view in the world. And so it's like a, <laughs> just the top of like, you know, another apartment building. And so it's just, it's super interesting to me to be able to see into other environments that I most likely would never see those views because even when you go and travel places, you go to the, the you know, the, mo- the most, uh, I don't know, interesting place in that part of that city or whatever. These are just people's homes or their businesses or I don't know. I just find it super intriguing. So I thought that was kind of a fun one to share. That is really fun. Yeah. I mean, how do yeah. people like... To, when they sign up for this, do they make a yeah, commitment to keep their webcam on twenty four seven, or is it just know. on and at I certain probably, times yeah. of the day? Or I have no idea. I probably crazy. should look up those things, but I mean, it's not like it's. I don't know. I just think it's super funny. So um, might be something just to to check out, or and you could even have you can favorite some. So if you find some, you find ones that you really enjoy, you can star those and come back to them. So. Even if you're doing some sort of like, um, you know, meditation time with your kids or some, you know, just like, just kind of Zen activities, you could put on, you know, some of the, yeah. your favorite views and just have that be like a couple of minutes of quiet time in your classroom. So, or it could be just a really fun, just very yeah. short, quick starter yeah. at the beginning of the day yeah. if you're in elementary. Right in okay, let's pop in yeah. on somebody's window somewhere yeah. in the world today yeah. and see what that looks like. And yeah. How does we that compare to Iowa? should always go and star them first, probably, just in case. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> but yeah, it would be fun, you know, to write about what would it be like to live in this place or, you know, what questions do you have about this place or, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like a where in the world is Carmen San Diego, but real life. Yes, it is. Yes. Wow. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I don't know how I'm possibly going to follow that one, but <laughs> here we go. I'll do my best. Okay. Um, I have a couple on here. I think I'll start with this one I came across recently. Um, Kathy on her front desk said to me, hey, I've been having these uh, problems with iMovie recently, and can you yeah. come and help me with it on her iPad? Yeah. So I went and helped her with it a little bit, and she goes, is there any other good video editors for the uh, for iOS that I should know about? And I thought, you know, I haven't looked at many recently because iMovie is yeah, sure. pretty much my default on yeah. um on iOS and yeah. I looked around just for curiosity's sake because yeah. you know these questions come up at schools as well and I yeah. came across uh, VN Video Editor I don't know okay. what the VN stands for but it's the VN Video Editor which is actually available for Mac for iOS and for Android um, mm-hmm. which is and it's a really powerful video editor there's yeah. lots of uh, things that iMovie doesn't do it's got lots of filters and effects and different things like that and it is 100% free there is hmm. nothing you can pay for no in-app purchases nothing no and i kidding. thought this must be some kind of you know scam or something here but no so it's available for mac iphone ipad and for android they say it's available for windows but it's kind of a weird way to get it on windows they have this kind of um 
Android emulator. So basically you download the Android app and you run it on Windows. So it's not really Windows, it's kind of the Android app on Windows. But, you know, oh, if you want okay. to take a look at a free video editor that does a little bit more than iMovie, has some mm. other different um, effects and things like that you want to All play right. with as a video editor, then hmm. try the VN video editor for free. All right. That's a good one. All right. Well, um, I, this one, you know, is not a tech nugget, I have to admit, but there is a book that I'm reading right now um, with a couple other teammates on the team um, that have been with our focus of blended and personalized learning. It's this big old book called The Learning Challenge. Mm. It is by James Nottingham. Its forward is by John Hattie. So, you know, it must be amazing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I linked on the show notes here the website for the Learning Challenge. This is not the only book in this series, but it's the one that we're working on right now. Um, so what I think is super interesting about, and I'm only like a couple chapters in because we're kind of reading it slowly and discussing it as we go and trying to apply it to some different work, and um, is this notion of the learning pit. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't know that. I don't think we have, but I think a lot okay. of people will have seen this in some keynote addresses Good. if they've okay. ever been to conferences, because this is yeah. a popular thing for a keynote right. speaker to show, isn't right. it? Okay. So, and I couldn't remember if we talked about it or not. So what I had always envisioned the, the learning pit as kind of just this visual to help students understand um, the process of learning and to really make it, um, more, uh, so I guess so that students don't feel uncomfortable in the learning pit. It's mm-hmm. a visual to kind of help them see what that learning pit is like so that if yeah. they're kind of struggling with their learning, they understand that that's an important part of the learning. Mm-hmm. So what I think is interesting about this book is that it has kind of shifted my thinking because they're talking about how to get kids into the learning pit and the conversations that kids need to have with one another and the types of questions that you pose to get kids there. And that's when I first learned about the learning pit and was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I get this, but how important it is for students to be involved in learning that actually gets them there as opposed to just kind of this, you know, surface level knowledge always that kids can just kind of skim over and never have to actually go deeper into. And so um, this book has kind of helped support my thinking around that because I I think that's the biggest challenge for teachers is to really provide opportunities for kids to get down in there and live in there for a little bit. So so it's about designing learning experiences to make sure your kids are going into the pit as right, opposed yeah. to just, like you said, skimming across the surface, making yeah. sure that they are confused and struggling yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But not, right. you know, the, to the extent that they're getting frustrated and it's too hard right. and they're giving up, but right. that we're challenging them. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so it's been a good book so far. And I thought, you know what, it's kind of where I'm, it's one of the things I'm working on right now. And I know it's not really a tech nugget, but I do think it's interesting um, and important for teachers to really think about. So yeah, that book's called The Learning Challenge by James Nottingham. Very good. Okay. Um, well, 
the next one I have is a tech nugget, but I feel like it's yeah. one of those tech nuggets that's new to me, but not new to anybody else. So <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there just in case that's there right. happens to be some other people that are not familiar with SplashLearn.com. Yeah. So as I go to their website here, it says, loved mm-hmm. by 40 million learners and used in one in three U.S. schools. So a third mm-hmm. of the country is using this, and I have not heard about it very much. <laughs> So um, this is an interesting website, apparently completely free, K through five, mm-hmm. math okay. and reading. And um, it's, a, it's a full program that kids work through. It's kind of an adaptive learning thing with mm-hmm. a teacher dashboard to track progress. So you'll be familiar with the, the type of concept for what this is. But right. a lot of these things are not really free or they are only free to a certain extent. Or they start sure. free and go paid. And maybe this one will too. I don't know. Yeah, but right. yep. um, it's available for parents to sign up for, for free. And it's okay. available for teachers to sign up for free as well so maybe you're a parent listening and you just need some extra fun Mm -hmm. practice i mean these little animations and games that they have look fun for me in a way so um summer's coming maybe you want some little extra practice just to keep your kids in the learning pit over the summer as well um so splashlearn.com for Mm -hmm. reading and math activities all right um, what I, w- I had heard of Splash Learn before, but I mean, it's not like I've been it. So if it makes you feel better, I knew it existed. I don't, didn't know like what the stuff looked like. It's not like I've been in there to check it out. So does that help? You? I feel like they used does to have some, there used to be some iPad apps called like Splash Math, uh, grade yeah. one and Splash Math grade yeah. two. I don't yeah. know if that's the same company or not. But I don't know either. Yeah. If it is, then I've heard of them before, but I hadn't heard yeah. of the web platform. So yeah. Okay. All right. So one additional tech nugget here. Yeah, I think maybe just to yeah. round off, this would be a good one to have just since we were talking about Earth Day and Earth Month. Yeah. The good people at National Geographic um, sent us some mm-hmm. resources, education guides and tools mm-hmm. that you could use if you were thinking of doing some more Earth Day resources in addition to the awesome stuff that Carissa was telling us about earlier. So they have a, an educator and family guide to Earth Day. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, Explorer Classrooms where you can connect and learn with National Geographic Explorers. And that mm-hmm. is you know, a series of events and webinars they have uh, for different age groups um, up to, like I don't know, 14-year-olds. So mm-hmm. learn at home resources as well. You can watch past events that they've had on there too. So... Um, we'll put a link to those in the show notes if you mm-hmm. want to do some more Earth Day things with kids in your classroom. Right on. Do you just love the photography always with Nat Geo? Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. Just They have some very talented photographers or they yeah. are very choosy with the photo- photographs they use. But yeah, right. Yeah, they have a great way of highlighting the planet. Yes, I follow them on Instagram, which is both torture and amazing at the same time because about every one in five pictures is a snake of some sort. Oh, and <laughs> one in yeah, five, other, really? 20% yeah. of their oh, pictures are snakes? there are snakes all the time. I'm like, really? There are so many animals to highlight and this is what we choose. But the other day I um, was scrolling through my Instagram and their N- National Geographic was with some guy. They had had like a Bernese python um, hunt in Florida because, you know, they're destroying the, you know – ecology in florida and uh there was this guy standing with like five of them that he had caught i was like 
Wow. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's fine. Thanks. Thanks. I started to see something on, I can't remember where it was. It was something, a video or maybe it was a Twitter post or thread or something about how we need to be trying to get kids out of that fear of snakes. And the other one was sharks. And they say they they just get a really bad name. People think, you know, snakes are evil Mm -hmm. and and all the rest and Mm -hmm. sharks are killers. And and they're not really if they're not provoked. And in the environment that they live in, that's they all have a part to play in the ecosystem. So I totally agree. Yeah, it's totally it's easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, if I, I wouldn't, cho- I don't choose this for myself. It's um, something I find very annoying about me, but I can't help it. It's like a yeah. ridiculous fear, but whatever. My wife is the same way and she tries she, really yeah. hard not to pass that on to the kids. Yeah. But she, mm-hmm. you know, if we yeah. ever come in contact, even with like at a yeah. zoo or something like that, yeah. she's yep. walking no, away and looking at something yep. else. Yep. yep. Me too. <laughs> Be like, I'll just be over here. You guys let me know when you're done. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, sidetracked us. We wrapped really this up. really was a sidetrack. Yeah, we should probably just stop talking and <laughs> sign off for this episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so we will continue to uh, bring you new episodes. We have uh, at least one or two planned for the future here where we can come back and share some new things. We have another another guest coming up as part of our guest series of podcasts that we've been on a streak for recently. <laughs> Yeah, everybody, come on. It's a party. Yeah, if you want to be a guest, just let us know. (laughs) Podcast at (laughs) gwaa.org. But until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.